Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and that includes today, which is the 16th day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this in the middle of the night in my home in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl if it were day, but it's not because it's night. Everyone in my house is asleep. And I have a big, there's going to be a big party and get-together and things with people coming over for brunch and there'd be bagels and everything like that. And it's going to be one of those days where your pal Sully is going to be cleaning, swiffering. He's going to be buying pieces of food and making sure stuff is prepared and making sure everything is set. And everyone in my house is asleep, preparing for this crazy day that's going to happen in my home. And I realize that in the middle of a day like that, a man cannot sit down and record a podcast. Not if he wants the podcast to be any good. So let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm doing this the only time I can do this podcast right now. And there's just too much to talk about. The funny thing is, I actually have an evergreen podcast already recorded and loaded. I don't need to do this. But I felt weird posting an Evergreen Sunday Request podcast, which was a nice one, and I'll play it somewhere down the line. But on a night like this, it's too interesting to just have a general podcast because, as we know, these narratives keep changing on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. And I decided this is the time for me to sit down and do a real a real podcast to talk about what the hell just happened. Look at let's get down to brass tacks on a couple of very important things. First of all, the Cleveland Indians. Let's let's not neglect because a lot of the attention, probably most of the attention, is going to be put on you know what's happening in the National League because the National League is the sexier league right now. They've got the sexier teams right now. But Cleveland and Toronto is an interesting series because Cleveland has taken complete control of that. I mean, make no bones about it. They are in control. Even if Mr. Drone, Trevor Bauer, pitches poorly, they have another Corey Kluber start. And the Blue Jays basically have to be perfect at home. Because if they come back 3-2 to Cleveland, if it's 3-2 Cleveland in Game 6... The Indians are going to win one of those two games, and they're going to go to the World Series. This was the game, the Tomlin game. Tomlin got the Red Sox swinging at all sorts of pitchers all over creation. But the Blue Jays, with their offense, that made mincemeat out of the Texas Rangers stars like uh, uh, Cole Hamels and Hugh Darvish, just pummeled them and made me think, oh man, they are going to bludgeon their way to the World Series, aren't they? Well, they've scored one more run than me in two games. Yes, Kluber was great. Yes, Tomlin was having him swing. But at one point, you got to think that this lineup is going to produce more than a single run. And Andrew Miller, boy, you're talking about someone who's inserting himself into the narration. Andrew Miller 
is having one of the most mind-boggling relief performances. He has the second most strikeouts of any pitcher in the playoffs this year. And he's a reliever. He struck out 10 batters in the last two days over less than less than four innings. 10. Swing and miss, swing and miss, swing and miss. And you can bring that weapon in in the sixth or seventh inning? This is going to be... I mean, if you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, this has got to be terrifying. Because you know Kluber's going to be good. You know Kluber's going to match up well with him. He's not going to be scared of what's going on in Toronto. And this series, which on the surface looked like a terrific matchup, Game 3 is suddenly must-win. I mean, I know it's not technically must-win, but it's, you know, they're not gonna, you're not going to go down 3-0. No, no, but you're going to see, look it. Cleveland Indians have put themselves in a position where they are in full stampede mode. Remember, they swept the Red Sox. They haven't lost a postseason game yet. Now, neither had Toronto for the, a couple of days ago, but the Indians are in full stampede mode. And classic, I dare you to underestimate us, Red Sox. I dare you to underestimate us, Toronto. And they are two wins away of turning around and saying, I dare you to underestimate us, Los Angeles or Chicago. Now, note how I said that. We're going to get to the you know, kind of the makeshift Sunday request that I'm going to do tonight. And Mark Fahey, fan of the show at Snowco Dude, wrote, You gotta be happy that the Cubs won despite Chapman. No, I don't have to be happy about that. Um, but I do get what you're coming to. I had an interesting back and forth with some people on Twitter today, and a lot of it came for the fact that I'm overtly rooting for the Dodgers. Now, I, some people are under the impression that I'm a San Francisco Giant fan first and foremost because I talk about them a lot, I cheer them, uh, and everything like that. They're my National League team. They're my second favorite team. And I, they're probably the team I watch the most because of all the time I spent in the Bay Area over the year because of because of my job, which has nothing to do with this podcast. Um, and I, w- I want to see the Giants. I really want to see the Giants win, especially after the Red Sox got swept. I really want to see them, you know, I, you know, push the Cubs to that game five with Cueto on the mound. I really wanted to see that. And when that didn't happen, I think a lot of people are just under the assumption that I hate the Dodgers, which I don't. I do not hate the Dodgers. And in fact, I've made it very clear that there are some parts of L.A., and the fact that I'm a, you know, technically I'm a permanent resident of Los Angeles County, but also the fact that I have such I'm such a fan of Clayton Kershaw, and I did a whole podcast on did several podcasts on why I think it'd be good for baseball to have Kershaw be a world champion, and it would be good for baseball to have the Dodgers win a World Series and everything like that. These are all things I think are good for baseball. I make no bones about those statements. And, as the Mark Fahey alluded to, I do not want to see this Chapman highlight. I had a couple people slam me on Twitter. Now, some of them were Cub fans, and I'm sure they don't want to hear someone rooting against the Cubs. And let me make this 100% clear. I 
am not rooting for the Cubs because it is a personal decision on my part that I do not want to see the clip of a Roldis Chapman jumping up and down celebrating to be seen on TV for the next 50-some-odd Octobers. But that is just my personal take. If you root for the Cubs, if you are a Cub fan, and I know many Cub fans, if you are a Cub fan, I would expect nothing less from you than wanting to see a championship. I'm not going to sit here and say, is this the way you want it to happen? Is this the way you want it to happen? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to assign my own personal thoughts on this to you. And if you're a casual fan, say, hey, look, I just want to see the Cubs win the World Series and all those people be happy. I get that because I, I understand that, that for me personally, your pal Sully, the image of the person jumping up and down winning the title is important. It is the thing that I personally gravitate towards. I have a weird fixation with it. The whole thing on Twitter, trying to post as many of those pictures as I possibly can when I was a kid. That's what I fantasized about. Not hitting the game-winning home run, but being the pitcher on the mound, like Tug McGraw, jumping up. It's a thing that I am personally fixated with, that I have a personal fascination with, that it's something that is one of the things that gives me a tremendous amount of pleasure personally, and that I feel that having Chapman on the heels of the domestic violence being celebrated is not the direction I want to see that particular memory have. So it's a personal thing. If you're a Cub fan, great. If, you're, if your grandpappy and grandmammy died without seeing the Cubs winning, I get it. I'm a Red Sox fan. I understand. This is what we were going through, uh, uh, what was it, 12 years ago. I got it. Understood. And if they win, it will probably be the happiest day of your life. But it doesn't mean I have to be rooting for it because I'm not a Cubs fan. In fact, there have been many instances I didn't root for the Cubs. I didn't root for them last year against the Mets. Because I had more people in my life who were Mets fans, and I wanted them to be happy. But someone wrote to me saying that, you know, if is it wrong to, you know, is it fair to basically root against 24 other people because you don't want to see one person? succeed. I said, no, but who said baseball was fair? Who said anything about that? I'm mainly rooting for the Dodgers for two reasons. My dislike for Aroldis Chapman and the fact that I like Clayton Kershaw. Boom. Those are the two reasons. There's players on the Dodgers I'm not a big fan of, but it comes down to I really like Kershaw and I don't like Chapman. And there have been players that I, I gravitate towards over the years. I always wanted to see Ken Griffey Jr. win, no matter what was going on with his team. You know, there are players like that that I like and I gravitate towards and I want to see do well. You know, I want to see Adrian Beltre win a ring. That was one reason that as this AL playoffs started, there was part of me said, look, I want the Red Sox to win. Obviously, I'm a Red Sox fan, but if they can't, wouldn't it be cool if the Rangers won? Because there are several players, especially Adrian Beltre, that I'm a huge fan of. And seeing him win a ring would be a glorious thing. But they got swept. So when your teams, when the teams that 
you follow and have emotion attached to get swept. You have to find new reasons to get attached to teams. It's, it's that simple. And so, this is a year where I found myself being somewhat repulsed by the image of Chapman and being drawn to the image of Kershaw. And that, and, and what we're being drawn to with Kershaw is what I said, that image of the closer getting the final out. It turned out to be Kershaw. Now, if I said, if you can guarantee me that it won't be Chapman, then I might, you, your pal Sully might be more lenient. If the Cubs wind up winning the World Series, and it's Lester or Rondon or Carl Edwards or Arietta or one other pitcher, or it's a walk-off home run by Rizzo or Bryant, oh, then I'm, you know, you'll see me be like, okay, that's a great memory. That's not so bad. And let me tell you something. As Mark alluded to, Chapman's not exactly been lights out. Yes, he's throwing 100 billion miles an hour every time he's up there. But have you noticed something? He got the win today, but he blew the save. He got the win, even though it was John Lester's game to win, and I think they pulled him out a little too quick. But Adrian Gonzalez got that hit up the middle and tied the game. Now... And, and, but I'll, let me stick on point for a second, because I'll get to the strategy in the bottom of the eighth inning in a little bit here. Remember, Chapman blew the save against San Francisco in the eighth inning of Game 3. And if you remember Game 1, the brilliant Game 1 between Lester and Cueto, Posey got a hit that almost cleared the wall. If it was a little bit higher, it would have cleared the wall, and that would have been a game-tying home run in the ninth inning. Physics kept him from having three blown saves this October. And if he had blown that save in game one, that would have changed the entire complexion of that series. But what I'm saying is, Chapman's not been automatic. Chapman hasn't been. They won tonight in spite of him. And if... Think about this for a sec. Just think about this for a second. If the Giants were able to hold on to that three-run lead in Game 4 and hand the ball to Cueto, you and I both know Cueto could have won that game. And if that had happened, Chapman would have been the GOAT of this postseason because of his blown save in Game 3. He was almost the GOAT tonight. Just picture this in your brain. Let's just say the Dodgers found a way to win this. And saying it was tied at the eighth inning, that's not such a crazy thing to wonder. If they won game one and handed the ball to Clayton Kershaw in game two, the idea of the Cubs being down 2-0 heading to Los Angeles would not be outlandish. As it is anyway, handing the ball to Clayton Kershaw in game two, as good a pitcher as Hendricks is, I've got to be leaning towards Kershaw. You know, I think it's going to be 1-1 heading back to L.A. Chapman blew that save. He's not been lights out. He's not been automatic. His ERA may not be gaudy because of inherited runners and everything like that. But he's beatable. And perhaps there's part of me 
would like to see him blow maybe one or two more saves along the way. Now, as for the bottom of the eighth inning, look it. It can be dissected, inspected, detected, rejected, or all the things that Arlo Guthrie would say. Um, I, w- walking the batter to face, um, it was a Montero. I mean, look, it, it backfired. He hit the two-out, two-strike grand slam. Maybe you don't keep Blanton in there, but you know what? I wasn't second-guessing it. It's always strange when you walk someone to load the bases. But you also knew that you'd be removing Chapman from the game, which part of me thinks, well, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been such a terrible thing to keep Chapman in the game because it would have been his second inning, and that's usually not what he does. And maybe if he has him, if you have him throw two innings in this game, he wouldn't be available for game two. But anyway, they loaded the bases, and Montero hit the two-out, two-strike grand slam. If he swings and misses, then Roberts looks brilliant. Like, okay, they had to go deeper into their bullpen. It's a tie game heading to the ninth. And that's all they need to do was make it a tie game heading into the ninth. Instead, he lets up the grand slam. Now, I thought the Dodgers were going to lose this game. If they won this game, it would have been, I think, sent shockwaves through the series. So I can't get too upset. But... The playoffs are binary. You win or you lose. If you win by 15 runs or you win by one run, in the end, it doesn't matter. It's binary. And the Dodgers can only afford to lose three times in this series. And they lost one of them. So, it's frustrating if you're pulling for the Dodgers. Because, yeah, Chapman didn't get to close out the game. They won in spite of Chapman. But each time there's a win like this, it moves us closer to that inevitable moment. It was Chapman who was able to celebrate on the mound at AT AT&T Park, lest we forget. And despite his not exactly great showing, you'd be foolish not to hand the ball to him. So, to kind of answer your question, uh, on the surface, yeah, I'm glad that Chapman got smacked around that you can kind of have the best of both worlds. You know, Chapman lost or blew the save, yet Cub fans are happy. But you can't guarantee me that's how things are going to go. And so, no, it doesn't make me happy. Because we are moving closer to that, and I don't want to hear the words Chapman and redemption together. But what we are going to hear are the words play ball And we're going to see tomorrow, and Kershaw, if he can win, and win in Wrigley, and turn this into a 1-1 series, then this narrative that I've been talking about for Clayton Kershaw could very well be coming true. You're not facing the Cardinals, you're facing the Cubs. So, let's see something, Kershaw. And, hell, let's just see some more great baseball. This has been a tremendous October. Um, who owned baseball? John Lester owned baseball. Montero owned baseball. Josh Tomlin owned baseball. Although I almost gave it to Andrew Miller again, but you know Tomlin kept the the Blue Jays on their heels and allowed them to go to Miller when they wanted to. And Francisco Lindor once again 
uh, got the go-ahead run, drove in the go-ahead run for Cleveland. No pitchers got half wobs or woos, sorry. Uh, but Josh Donaldson, who drove in the only run for the Blue Jays, and Adrian Gonzalez, who got the game time hit, got half woo. So go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns October. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, show on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and everywhere. The music is by Ted Thackman and Patrick Kolinsky. It's time for bed. This has been Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 16th day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.